0: Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. Proverbs 6, and uh, we've been looking together at seven things God hates. Proverbs six and beginning at verse 16 listen to the word of the lord these six things the bible says god hates yes seven are an abomination to him a proud look a lying tongue hands that shed innocent blood a heart that devises wicked plans feet that are swift in running to evil a false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among brethren. We've been looking at these individually for the past few weeks. As a matter of fact, we are on week number five, and we are down in verse 18, and we're beginning to look at today, if the Lord wills, and we can get through this sermon, at the second half, verse 18, the feet that are swift in running to evil. Let me remind you before we get started, though, for those who have not heard the whole series, that... This list that has been given on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God through Solomon is not a comprehensive list. In other words, we're not to look at these seven particular sins and go, well, these particular seven are so much worse than maybe another seven that we could pick. Because all sin, no matter how grave we may think it is or how pithy we may think it is, all sin is disgusting to God. Amen? The Bible says that he is light. And in him there is no darkness, no, none at all. God is not a friend of sin. As we think about this list too, we've been reminding you that the other major thought as we look at the list of seven is that these particular sins are a direct violation of of the second greatest commandment, that is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Somebody sent me a text last week and said, Pastor, I got a question for you. The Bible does say that we ought to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So what does it look like for us to love ourselves? It's probably a good question. I never thought to really put in the sermon, but I can sort of summarize it for you in a few moments of time. And that is this, that to love ourselves is not what people would tell us in psychology class or a counselor may say to try to boost your ego or to make you feel better about yourself. But to love yourself is what Jesus would say is really loving others. And I, I thought about it this way When I'm hungry, I eat. Nobody has to tell me when I'm hungry, I eat. Some days I eat a lot, some days I eat a little. But I eat until I'm at least satisfied. Most of the time I'm eating until I've been glorified, amen? <laughs> when I'm thirsty, I go to the refrigerator at our house and I, we have a, a water there and I put my cup under the water spigot and I begin to give my body what I need uh, so when we're hungry, we eat. When we're thirsty, we drink. When, you know, we're cold, we put a coat on. Uh, you, you get what I'm saying here. And, and here's what Paul says with that. Paul says, in the in context of marriage, in, in, or excuse me, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29, he says this, no one ever hated his own flesh. I want you to think about that, because if I'm hungry, I eat. If I'm cold, I put a coat on. If I'm thirsty, I get a drink. You say, how does that relate to loving people though, pastor? Well, are people hungry? Do you feed them? Are people in thirst? Do you give them a drink? You remember what Jesus said, right? When Jesus said those famous words, when we can remember this part, depart from me, I never knew you. (laughs) We remember that part, but do you remember the rest of that text? The rest of that text, Jesus said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you came to see me. And some would say to him, "When, when did we see you hungry and feed you? And when did we see you in need and minister to you? When did we see you in prison and visit you? And Jesus said, the least you did unto them, you did unto me. So how is it that I can love myself and then love others. See, loving self, we get it wrong. We love ourselves and we, we have to remind ourselves of, of the first verse, right? We have to go back to God hates pride. If I look at myself and say, well, I'm going to love myself before I can love other people. And so I become more important than other people. No, it's, it's the necessities. It's I take care and nourish for my body. Why? Because that's normally what you do. And so what do we do? We Minister to others because we don't hate our own flesh. We certainly don't want to hate the flesh of other people. Amen? And we want to minister to them and care for them and meet those needs that they may have because the least I do to you, I've done it unto Jesus. So think about that this morning. I'm not talking about, yeah, in order to love my neighbor as myself means that, you know, I have to be haughty or I have to be number one. No, doesn't mean that at all. It means it's just like I would take care of myself. I want to take care of those around me. And minister to them. Amen? And so this text of scripture, as we begin to sort of walk our way through, we've been seeing how we've been confronted. Not See, our tendency is to read these verses and go, well, these verses are for the world. These these verses are for other people. They're not really for me. And hopefully you've been seeing like I've been seeing. As I've been going through this, you have to say, oh, me. God, God hates pride. I find that there's pride in my life. God hates a lying tongue, I find that there's times where I've not told the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Amen? You with me? We find ourselves in these verses, and and as we go through, we sort of get a little tougher. And last week, we looked at the fact that, that a heart that devises evil plans. And remember, we reminded you last week, and we told you that the heart It is that operating system. It's the central operating system of a person. And that that out of the heart comes everything, right? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart, the feet move. Out of the heart, the hands commit sin. Out of the heart, the eyes look on with pride and arrogance towards other people. You get it? So it's out of the central part of our heart that all these sins begin to happen. So if the heart is the central operating system, then in this verse, as we think about the feet that are swift to do evil, then the feet are the soldiers who will carry out the commands of the heart. So think about that this morning. If your heart is impure, and if you have things in your heart that you are thinking on that are wrong and sinful, they will eventually find their way out in the way that you live. Notice the text. He says to us that God hates, notice, we're going to read it verbatim. Listen to what he says. Feet that are swift in running to evil. Now, I want you to understand a distinction that we want to make today, and that is this. He's not talking about the fact that you and I, or other people that we may know, slip or fall into sin. That's not what he's talking about in the text. There are times in our life, let's just admit it, there's times in our life where we slip or we fall into sin. We're not looking for it. We don't think we're going to commit sin, but then, bam, it happens. Can I get an amen? Anybody like me out there? No, not you guys. Okay, well, maybe you need another pastor because I'm pretty sinful, I guess. But the reality is we find ourselves slipping and falling into sin. And I'm not looking for that to happen. Man, it happens. What he's talking about here is somebody who is deliberately, excitedly running to do something wrong. And this is the, this is the guy who, when he works all week long, and I hope I don't offend anybody, but I'm going to say it, who works all week long to earn his paycheck just so that he can run to the bar and spend it all on the weekend. And then he has to get up Monday morning and drag himself out of bed so he can do it again. He knows he's working not to feed the family. He's not working to take care of his children. He's working so he can go and enjoy the booze and the company on Friday, Saturday night. You with me? Now, if that's you, I'm sorry. You need to repent. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but it's the reality, right? And so as I look at that text, I sort of think about our world. And I look at the world and I go, there are a lot of people like that, amen? Amen. I'm not, not necessarily earning the money to go drink. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, there are a lot of people out there who seem to enjoy making life miserable. I mean, they got a whole movie about this guy, the Joker, right on Batman, who that's his whole existence, right? Is to run to evil, to do misery towards people. But there are literally people out there who love that kind of stuff. It's disgusting, isn't it? And nobody in this room wants to be around that kind of person. Can I get an Amen. Because we know those kinds of people. And if you don't know, turn on the television and you'll see it on the newscast. There are people who love and live for lying and distorting the truth and corruption and all these other things they do. They enjoy the sport. They enjoy the game of running toward evil. And that's what the text is all about. It's about running towards evil. Somebody who just enjoys looking for something to do wrong. And the reality is, as I think about that, it makes me think of a a joke, brother. You like pastor jokes? Somebody told me this joke years ago, and maybe you've read it or heard it. But these three pastors were out fishing, and while they were out fishing in the middle of the day, the one pastor he decided he's the Baptist preacher. He decides, well, you know, guys, we've been friends a while now. I feel like it's a safe environment, guys. I need to confess. I got a drinking problem. I like to drink. And so the other guy, I think he was probably uh, Assemblies of God, I think, maybe, I don't know, Ed, something like that, maybe, you know, uh, you know, he said, well, you know, guys, he said, you know, since we're confessing today, I just got to admit, I, I just got a lust problem. I just, you know, when I get on the internet, I just got a lust problem. And, you know, the day just sort of goes on and the third guy never says anything. I think he was the uh, Methodist, maybe, I don't know, but he never said anything and then finally they're putting the, the boat on the, on the back of the hitch and, you know, and the other guys look at him and go, you know, you've been awful, awful quiet, you know, about what's going on, you know? And he's like, well, you know, guys, you know, I just, you know, he goes, well, I guess I can confess. He said, well, guys, here's the reality. The reality is I love the gossip and I can't wait to get home. So, you know, that's what it means to run swiftly to evil, right? It's, I got these juicy details. I can't wait to get home and uh, to tell somebody. And I, and you know, and honestly, I could stop the sermon right there because I think we all sort of understand the text. And my job as the pastor is sort of just to bring you the exegetical meaning. And I've done that. I've told you what it means. It's not hard to understand. But as I thought about that, as I prayed about that, as I, as I contemplate that scripture, I have to ask myself a question Is there ever a time in my life? that this scripture confronts me? Is there ever a time that you are confronted with this truth? Is there ever a time that you run swiftly to do evil? And you know, let me just pick out two, right? Let me just help you, okay? Two that I see prominent in churches. And that's not our church, that's every church I've ever been a part of. Whether I was a layman or whether uh, I'm a pastor I found two things in churches that people are headlong run into that are sinful. Number one, prayer requests. Oh, I mean gossip, right? We, we like to gossip through prayer requests. We, we want to know what's going on. And so sometimes, rather than really being honest about a prayer request, so-and-so's you know, hurting or somebody's going through something, we got to explain ourselves. we got to go into details with things and that sort of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Are, are you with me? And so sometimes we're, we're quick to want to share. And we want to be the first, Steve, to tell the juicy detail. You know, I hope nobody's told them yet. I can't wait to just tell them, you know. And so we want to share. So sometimes we get caught up in gossip that we do that spiritualizing. And can we all say, oh, me, (laughs) right? Because we all find ourselves at one time or another, we've been there, done that. Got the t-shirt to prove it, amen? The other thing that we do in the church is sometimes we lean upon or we lean in on our own personal preferences. So we get this idea how we think church ought to be and we want everybody to conform to what I think church ought to be. And sometimes we'll do that at the expense of sowing discord with other people. I don't have time to deal with that this morning because that's the end of the sermon series. And that I think is going to be the one we're going to deal with the most at the end. And so I don't want to go any further than that. But y'all get the picture, right? So we all have these things in our life that maybe we run headlong into that we didn't even realize are sinful and how quick we are and how wonderful we love doing those things because we spiritualize. We make the, the big things big and we make the little things really nothing, right? And so we sort of spiritualize them, push them off to the side and say, Well, that's not really a big deal, preacher. Come on. You know, it's like, you know, okay. But it's like really it's like somebody having a little spot of melanoma and they never get it treated. Oh, it's just a little spot, it's nothing. And then by the time they go, it's full blown. And it kills them, right? That's what sin sometimes will do to us. It's no big deal. But it's like melanoma, we just let it fester and we just keep running to it and we keep running back to it. And and so the question this morning is, okay, I get it. All right, you're convicting enough. So what do I do about it? And that's been sort of where we've camped out uh, every sermon. It's sort of like, okay, what do we do about it? Well, let me tell you what you do about it. Number one, be careful who you're hanging out with, all right? Be careful who your friends are, right? Pick your friends wisely. Why? Because... The whole, the whole of Proverbs, if you don't know anything about Proverbs, here's the whole of Proverbs. The whole of Proverbs is a father talking to a son saying, hey, man, this is how you live your life wisely. And, you know, the Proverbs, some of them you read them, you go, man, that is just so simple. Some of you read and you scratch your head and go, okay, i got to think about that one a little longer. But the reality is just a father and son conversation, and he's saying to his son, Hey, this is how you live your life and you do that wisely. And the very thing he comes out the gate with is son, be careful who your friends are. Listen to what he says, Proverbs 1. He says it to him in verse 15 and 16. He says, my son, do not walk in the way of them. Now, the way with them is, he said, there are these group of people who are running to evil. That They're waiting to shed blood. They're, they're actually looking to ambush some people. And they're saying, hey, come join us. Come be a part. Come fellowship with us. And we're going to go have this fun together. Right? Uh, can you get, can you ever been there? You ever heard, you know, teenagers deal with all this peer pressure, right? But so do we as adults? Come on, let's just hang out together and, and we can do this thing. And so he says, my son, he said, don't do that. He said, here it is. Keep your foot from their path for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. Can I ask you, who are your friends? See, here's the reality. Your friends ought to be leading you to have a better relationship with the Lord than one that's going to lure you away from the Lord. Amen? How do you know a godly friend versus an ungodly friend? A godly friend is concerned about your journey as a Christian. The ungodly friend, he doesn't care. He may respect the fact that you go to church, may respect the fact that you're a Christian, but they don't care. And they will try to get you to do things. They will try to lure you in to things. And we must be careful. Why? Because our friends can damage us. Our friends can bring us down. Our friends can help us and lead us to run headlong into sin. It happens all the time. Proverbs 13:20 says this: He who walks with wise men will be wise. That's my memory verse this week I've been trying to memorize. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. See again, who are your friends? Are you hanging out with the wise? Are you hanging out with fellow believers and Christians? Because if not, listen, you may be running headlong into sin with people and not even realize it. It's crazy, isn't it? We forget, listen, adults, we forget how powerful it is that friends can influence our lives. We forget how powerful that is. We don't think they, they really do. We're like, we're adults, we're independent. We don't put up with peer pressure anymore. And that's a lie. And the devil wants us to believe that lie because it's not true. And sometimes we put up the peer pressure at work. You know, sometimes work puts peer pressures on us. It's amazing what happens to us. And so we need to make sure that we're not picking the wrong friends and that we're hanging out with the right people because if we are, then we could possibly end up being the fool that he's talking about in the last verse. But wise men hang out with wise men. Amen? Amen. Number two, write this down. That is, that you and I must study the Word. See, the Bible is something that we talk about as Baptists. We believe in the inerrancy of the Scripture. You know, we we fought for that in the 70s and the 80s. You know, uh... David, you probably remember those days, you know, the old seminary days, and then fighting over the, the you know the inerrancy of scripture. You know, is it God's word? Is it not God's word? And and we sort of you know defeated that argument and we come to understand that the word is is God's word. But here's the problem. The problem is we've won that battle. Now we need to win the battle over. Is the word sufficient? Is the word really sufficient? That is, am I going to live my life by this book? See, I believe it from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation. I believe it's God-breathed, given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, who superintended, that is, he worked through the lives of the men and women that God chose, right? That he worked through them, and they gave us a copy of the book of the Bible. And we know that God preserved the Bible, that it's accurate today, because God, in his preservation of the Word, has given us an accurate Word that we read today. But the reality is, do I live this book? Because here's the thing. If I don't live this book, then I can guarantee myself that I'm going to run headlong into being swift to do evil. Amen? So what about the book? That's why I love Awana. Awana's wonderful. Why? Because these kids are hiding the word in their heart. Listen to the psalmist, the Psalm 119:105 105. Talk all about the Bible. Listen to what it says. He says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my bath. Do you believe that? Do you want your feet to be illumined? Do you want to know direction in your life? Do you want God to lead your life? Do you want God's will for your life? Then you have to be in the word of God. Why? Because he will keep you from sin. He will light up the path and show you the way to go. Amen? Lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake, we ought to be praying. Rather than falling headlong and loving the sin. Amen? Amen? And then that same chapter, Psalm 119, 9 says, How can a young man cleanse his way? How is it that we stay pure? How is it, young people, that you can live a life of purity and holiness to God? By taking heed according to the word of God. Amen? Listen, it's not enough just to know the Bible's real and that God's word is there. But... Is it sufficient? Is it something you're feeding on every day? That is, are you living your life by this book? And too many Christians are not. Listen, I can remember sitting in a deacon's meeting in one of my churches. This, this happened. I'll tell you, this is the truth that happened. Two things happened in this church. Really just irritated me. Number one, we, we had a, a situation arise and I told them about the situation and that sort of thing. And I told them what I thought the Bible had to say about that. And here's one of the guys say, well, I know what the Bible says, but. Well, you done lost me. Amen, you don't lost me, because if we're saying the Bible says, "But, listen, we, we, we've lost the argument. Amen. I mean, hands down, you're, you're done. Amen. I mean, you're, you're done. you're toast. The second situation came up where I had to let a staff member go, not because I had a choice in the matter, but I had to let a staff member go because he taught too much Bible to the youth group. Bless our hearts. If we got kids that don't want to learn the Bible and their parents are going to be in an uproar that we ought to play more games than learn the Bible, we got a problem. If he taught more games than he did the Bible, I'd fire him. Amen? And we ought to fire a youth minister that does that. It's not about coming on Wednesday night and playing games and singing songs. Amen? It's about coming and getting a word from God. Why? Because young people need a word from God, just like you need a word from God. Amen? God help us if we ever say, Lord, the word's not sufficient. I believe it, but it's not sufficient. So are you living your life? by this book. Because if you're not, listen, you're going to fall headlong into sin. I'm sorry, it's going to happen to you. It's going to happen. Not enough just to read it, live it. Amen? And then lastly, write it down. This one's the most important. You ready? Because if you do this one, you'll do the others. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Where is the fear of God gone these days? I've been listening to a, Christian rapper, I think I may have shared this before, I don't know, but, I, but it's Daniel's fault. Daniel turned me onto a Christian rapper, and it's his fault. You know, young people, they're corrupting these old guys. And so, uh, this Christian rapper, though, he's, he, he's talking about, you know, have we forgotten about the wrath of God or something? That's what he says in the song. You know, have we forgotten, here's what he says, have we forgotten that God owes us damnation or something? You know, we've forgotten how good we have it because of God's grace, because of God's goodness. And we don't live our lives in the, in the ultimate fear of God. That is, we want to turn it on his head and we want to say, well, that's reverence, preacher. That's half of it. Amen? I want to reverence God. I want God to be reverent in my life. I want God to be honored in my life. I want God to be lifted up in my life. I want everything that I do and everything that I say to bring him glory. That's what I ought to be living my life for. If you don't know that, just read the end of Ecclesiastes. He says, everything in life is vanity. The chief end of man is to glorify God. And so I want to do that, amen? I want to give him all the glory of my life. But the reality is, there's still that scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, write it down in verse 10, that says, knowing the fear of the Lord, that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that we'll give an accounting of what we've done in the body, whether good or bad. Listen, there is a fear and trembling, amen? Everybody that ever encountered the living God and the word of God trembled and feared and fell on their face, we got all this stuff about being slain in the spirit and passing backwards. Let me tell you something. You read the Bible, there's nobody slain in the spirit backwards. Everybody that had an encounter with the living God, listen, they fell forward on their face prostrate. And John said he fell as a dead man before the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen? Where's the fear of God today? Proverbs 8.13 says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. See, if I fear God, I hate evil. Now make that personal. Bring that down to your own heart. If you fear God, you don't want evil in your own life. Amen? Do we, when we sin, do we find ourselves saying, oh me, oh my, oh God, that's horrible in my life. Do we tremble at our own, injustices and our own sin that we find in our life that God exposes, or do we just blow it off? (sighs) I'll get it right next time. Listen, friends, that tells me right there whether you fear God or not. Amen? How do you treat your own sin? See, the problem is we want to point the finger at everybody else. So-and-so sin, so-and-so sin, so-and-so sin. Somebody does this, somebody does that. The reality is, am I looking in the mirror and go, oh, my. God, I'm so inconsistent. God, I'm finding myself running headlong into sin. I just close with this illustration. You know, I'm, my wife is going to laugh if she hears this, but I'm just going to tell it. Wednesday night, I was just, you know, we're, we're going through a great study on Wednesday night about God's sovereignty and God's will and how God is working through the Scriptures to bring about His salvation through Christ. And and I, we were talking about sin. We were talking about the nation of Israel. You know, they just ran into sin. Everywhere they turned around, they just went right back to the pig pen, you know? They wallered in the mud. That's what they kept doing. And I, and I told the people, you know, we can't be too, too uh, hard on them because even as Christians, we find ourselves, like Paul, Why, you know, chapter seven of Romans, why is the very things I don't want to do, I find myself doing, and the very things I wish to do, I do not? You know, why do we find ourselves there? And I was sharing with them, you know, in real honesty, and I said, you know, one of the sins that you all know that I commit is pretty out front. Now, unless, you know, you're on the highway and you see me there, uh, you don't see that one. But, but the sin I carry is pretty out front. You know, it's, it's called weight, you know. And the, and the weight of my sin, literally, the weight of my sin is, you know, for me, the reason why I'm fat, I'll just tell you the reason why. When I'm stressed, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to eat. That's what I do. When I'm stressed, I eat. You know, and that's a serious issue for me. And I struggle with that in my life. And, and I'll probably struggle with that till I die, unless God delivers me. Amen? And he may choose to do that. But that's a sin that's up front. And you know, I told that on Wednesday night, in all seriousness, I'm not joking with you this morning. It's not, a, not meant to be a joke. It's not really meant to be funny this morning. It's meant to be say, hey, I'm just being transparent with you. One of my sins that I run headlong into is the, is the table. I love to eat. And sometimes I abuse that. And it's a sin when you abuse food, right? But here's the real sin in that. The real sin in that, Ed, is not so much the eating as it is replacing God with food. And saying, when I'm stressed, when I'm, when I'm down, Rather than pray, I'm I'm eating. I'm just being real honest with you, okay? You you get me this morning? You see where I'm at this morning? See, we have things in our life that we allow to come in like that. And, And I'll tell you what happened. I told that Wednesday, and I really was vulnerable and open with that. Can I tell you what happened Thursday? Thursday, I lost that battle. And I overate Thursday. And you know what? Here's what I told myself. As I headed into that, as I headed in to eat some things I shouldn't have ate, I told myself, Mike, you just told them last night that that was a sin in your life and you need to battle that and you need to fight that and you need to win that battle. Can I tell you I lost the battle, Ed? You're saying, oh, preacher, it's not drugs, it's not alcohol. But anything we place in front of God is an idol. Amen? You get the point? God hates feet that are Swift to run to evil. Let's pray. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.